It's the True Achievements Podcast. On today's show, we talk for infinity about Bioshock. Microsoft forgets a pack for packs. And there's a Lara Blood and Guts with Tomb Raider. In community news, we discuss the site redesign and DLC ratio changes. How much do they mean to you? And in business news, Disney takes the mickey with LucasArts and RIP EA CEO JR. Finally, he ain't nothing but a hound. Dog takes on the first achievement challenge. All this and more coming up in what critics are already calling the finest true achievements podcast ever. Welcome to the inaugural True Achievement Podcast. Uh, with me in the TA pod today, we have Michelle. Hi, I'm Michelle. I'm the news manager on True Achievements. We've got Dog of Thunder, otherwise known as Dog. Hi, I'm Dog of Thunder. Been a news hound since 2010. And uh, the man you all want to hear, we've got Rich, also known as True Achievement himself. Hi, I'm Rich, and I'm the creator of True Achievements. And I'm your host, Jonathan, otherwise known as Jay. I am the editorial and features manager on the site. Uh, so this is kind of a brave new world. We're starting the TA podcast by popular demand. Um, we're getting together, and we're going to be having a lot of fun, talking a lot of stuff that is TA-centric, uh, the news from the site, uh, the most popular stories for the month. Uh, we'll have a couple of special features, and we'll be taking feedback from the community. So keep listening. We'll have lots of opportunity for uh, community members to get involved. But like most podcasts around gaming, we're going to start off with just discussing what you're playing right now. So, uh, Michelle, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? What are you uh, What are you playing right now? Um, well, I will fully admit uh, I'm kind of going through, I'm not sure if it's gaming ADD or gaming apathy right now. I can't really focus on any one particular thing. And there's all this great stuff coming out now. Um, but I'm just... Not really getting there. So I've been cleaning up some older stuff. I've been working on Halo 3 ODST, getting those firefights done, and eventually leading up to the dreaded indoor. Um, so I've got two more of those to go, and then the Vidmaster Challenge. Um, otherwise, I just started working on Deadlight last night. And um, Jay, you, you had written the review for that one, right? Yes, I, I wrote the review for Deadlight last summer. Okay. And I don't know if you had the same experience or if it's just that I was playing a little late and got tired, but everything was going great. Got through the first act. And then I got to the second act at the Rat's Den. And it seemed like all of a sudden the game really wanted to be a platformer. But the controls are just not quite responsive enough. So I kind of got stuck in a place where I'm supposed to be rolling under something, but I'd hold the left trigger too long and I'd duck instead and get hit. So I stopped there. Um, but so far, so good. Yeah, there's a good bit of challenge like that. The, the section with the rat in that game, it, it's very out of sync with kind of the rest of the game. Um, it's mm -hmm. very much kind of a puzzle platformer slash action game. That section there really heavily emphasizes the puzzle platforming. Uh, I didn't have many problems with controls when I played it, but that was a, a common complaint from other people who played and or reviewed the game. Um, I just thought it was a really interesting game. It's one that, going back to it now, I, I, I might not have wanted to give it a 5, but at the time, I was really just blown away by the, the presentation and the style. I thought it was a really a really cool arcade game that everyone should experience. So I, I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts when, you, when you're uh, done with it. 
Yeah, and so far so good. I picked it up on sale, you know, 600 points, and it seems like it's totally worth that. So, so far I'm enjoying it. I just need to go back to it when I'm a little more ready to actually play. Um, and That second mm-hmm. chapter is just so bad. Uh-oh. <laughs> just get through it as best as you can. It gets better in the third chapter, I promise. Okay. It's a very good start, and it's a very good finish. The middle is atrocious. And the voice acting is worse. I read a bunch of mixed thoughts on it. I, you know, I'm kind of indifferent to it right now. It's it's doing what it has to do. You know, we're in an age now where everything's voice acted. So uh, it mostly rolls off unless it's particularly good. Like something like Dead Space had amazing voice acting and that stood out. But for the most part, it, you know, voices are just parts of games now. Um, and the only other thing I'm working on, which I started really briefly, was the new Army of Two title, Army of Two, The Devil's Cartel. I'm a huge fan of co-op and um, love playing couch co-op, so that's how I'm approaching this one. Uh, unfortunately, that means it's going to take a while because it's hard to coordinate schedules. Uh, but I like what I've seen so far. I know the critics have been kind of harsh, and I'm always curious as to whether they played with another human being or AI, because it's a very different experience. Um, but so far, it looks good, sounds good, plays just fine. So uh, hopefully next time we talk about this, I'll actually have accomplished some more to give a better feel about what the game is like. Cool, cool, cool. Uh... Dog, I, I always look forward to hearing what you are playing and your thoughts, so why don't you jump in, tell us what off-the-wall Japanese niche title you're playing right now, and tell <laughs> us how amazing it is and how underappreciated it is in America. I will tell you about this underappreciated game. It came out in, I believe, 2008 that I just finished up. Really underappreciated. Not enough people talked about this game. Um, Bioshock. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> okay, so I think everyone in the world has probably played and talked about it a little bit, but tell us what you thought. I thought this game was really good when I the first time I played it, when it was called Metal Gear Solid 2. Ouch. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. I, that, that just made my brain hurt, but go on. All right, it, uh, all joking aside, the setting, Rapture, it's amazing. People have talked about it. We know it. We love it. The artwork is extraordinary. I would stand there, just look out the windows at the ocean and see all the buildings and all the neon lights. Looked great. Setting was amazing. The story is really cool. Um, I can see how people get all wrapped up in it and all the philosophy and everything. But I don't get why I had a camera and I had to take research photos. I don't get why I had to hack everything that I came across. If it wasn't for the research photos and the hacking, it would have been a much better game. And also, and, okay, stop listening now if you haven't played Bioshock and you don't want to hear a spoiler. Just fast forward. Don't stop listening. Just fast forward. Like Yeah, yeah just fast forward. Okay. But, oh man, that final boss battle was horrible. It was just like Batman Arkham Asylum. Great game. Ended with a horrible, disappointing boss battle that had no point being there. Yeah. The end of the game should have been taking a golf club upside Andrew Ryan's head, and that's it. Oh, I, I agree with you and disagree with you. I agree that last boss battle was really, really poor. Um, but I, I think the best part of that game happens after the Andrew Ryan bit, after the whole shine comes off of the twist. Um, I liked that third act quite a bit because it, it felt, um, it, it felt like it had a, had a purpose 
and um, it had a sense of urgency to it, which I really appreciated. It felt tacked on. They could have done that a little bit more streamlined with that. I don't know. I would have liked it more if they had changed the Tenabom stuff to be before Andrew Ryan. And maybe if they had just tacked on some of the Fontaine stuff at the end after Andrew Ryan. But the way it was done, the pacing was very off. It, it totally got me out of the game. My interest died almost completely. And the whole twist, I mean... Uh, I, I have played Metal Gear Solid 2. And if people have played that and Bioshock, they know what I'm talking about. Doug, what's why? Why have you decided to play this now? What's what's made you do it? Is it because Infinite's just come out? Um, actually, no. It's because I have an incredible backlog of games, and I'm trying to save money by actually going back and playing the stuff I already own. Yeah, it just I so happens. I haven't finished Bioshock one either. I've I'm about halfway through. Yeah. So should I go and finish that game? That's the question. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Three yeses. But I, Bioshock, it's not... I mean, I, I understand the criticisms, but just in terms of atmosphere and presentation, I don't know any game I've played really that, you know, I just... I felt like I was in Rapture. Just the way that the world came to life without having to jam a very, you know, kind of linear narrative down your throat by, by exploring the world, by finding the audio logs and things like that. Um, so just for exploring Rapture, all the other stuff aside, you really have to get through it and see everything that the game offers. The atmosphere is incredible, and I love games that include collectibles that actually, you know, mean, yeah, mean something. something. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And the collectibles in this game are so worth it. The audio logs add so much to it. It really fleshes out the world and the narrative. It, 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 it's still worth your time to go play. And um, I just think, from my background, I mean, again, the Metal Gear Solid experience, The I've actually read Atlas Shrugged and The Fountainhead, so I know the whole philosophy that they were talking about. So my experience was probably a little different than that of you know, most of the game playing public. Sure. Yeah, I just I, I have Bioshock up on up on a pedestal, and, and I'm sure we could spend this entire podcast going back and forth on it. But we're we're going to keep marching forward because we don't want to spend our entire time discussing games that are five years old uh, when we have other games to talk about. It does lead us nicely onto your game, though, Jay. Uh, yeah, I uh, I spent a lot of the past couple of weeks playing Bioshock Infinite, and I'm I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. Um, but a lot of a lot of the same things Dog expressed, they're carried over into Bioshock Infinite. I mean, you still have the collectibles that mean something. Um, there's viewpoints and, and little, uh, like, television things, which the name of what they're actually called is eluding me right now. Um, but you have to find all those, as well as Voxophones, which are the new audio logs. Um, I really enjoyed it. There were some little things in it that, that stopped me from putting it up on a level that I have Bioshock at. Um, but again, this is all done through the haze of nostalgia where I, I absolutely fell in love with Bioshock in a way that I didn't think was possible. It was the second game that I bought for my 360, so I was really, really very much into it. Uh, I just beat it, beat the game on hard mode, and I'm going through immediately and replaying it on easy wow. so that I can really just enjoy the the experience a little bit more than mm -hmm. having to grind through some of the combat. So I, I really, really liked it. Um, we have a review up on the site. 
Uh, Butterfly okay. Edge did an amazing job of breaking it down without spoiling anything. So if you were on the fence, be sure to check the site out and read it. Um, it it's it's an amazing it's an amazing game, and uh, Bedge did a really good job writing a review of it. Um, Jay, before you go on, um, a lot was made before the game um, about Elizabeth and her role and how she interacts with everything. Did you feel that that was like a real dynamic kind of engagement with her or did that not quite miss the mark or not quite hit the mark? Uh, I think it really hit the mark that there, I mean, as always, when you have uh, an artificial intelligence that is supposed to interact with a dynamic world, it's really hard to get that to be perfect. But just walking through, I'm replaying it again, and I'm in an early area where you're kind of going through a, a boardwalky arcade area, and she's like commenting on, "Oh, look at that! Oh, there's this and that! Ooh, what's this? It's cotton candy!" And she's actually interacting with these different facets of the world, in addition to doing things like assisting you in combat. Uh, really, it, it's it's an amazing experience. I never felt like she was a hindrance to the experience. But she just lifted it to another level because it was another set of eyes to see this world. It was kind of the the polar opposite of Booker, where Booker has all this worldly knowledge, but no Columbia knowledge. And and Elizabeth has all this Columbia knowledge, but no worldly knowledge. So they see this world from completely different viewpoints, and it really does a great job of informing the experience to the the player. It, It was incredible. So is the AI better or worse and the AI in 50 Cent, Blood on the Sand. <laughs> wow. Uh, I still have not gotten into Fiddy, so it's, uh, I, I, can't, I can't weigh on that with any knowledge. So the other game, I've, I was playing two other games. I played Battleblock Theater. We, we got a copy for the site for review. The review's up. I, I obviously enjoyed it a lot. It was a fantastically fun platformer. Uh, it does have a, a great deal of difficulty to it, especially in the later chapters. Um, there were times when I did have have cries of anguish and anger at frustration, but it never felt the game never felt cheap in that difficulty. So it was really great. It was also absolutely hilarious. Uh, the behemoth knocked it out of the park with the humor. Um, not only is there really hilarious cutscenes, but the the narrator also voices some of the action and gives commentary as you're proceeding through the levels. Uh, which is, it, it's it's hilarious and refreshing. Um, I said it's going to be one of those games, kind of like Castle Crashers, where you'll probably keep it on your hard drive and pull it out when friends come over to show them some of the humor, but also to play some of the co-op with them, because it does uh, have couch co-op with it. So it's really great. I actually picked that up on the strength of your review, but um, I've yet to start it yet. But it did it did look interesting. It, it's very re- different. Yeah, it's very different. It's very it, It's different enough that it feels new, but it relies so heavily on like classic platform ideas that it feels like like a glove you just put on and it feels amazing. So uh, it, it's just it's a great game. I, I would rec- recommend it obviously for anyone who is a gamer. Um, my wife, a, a vociferous anti non gamer, actually looked up several times while I was playing it and started laughing at not only the spoken humor, but also just the ridiculousness of some of the situations. So uh, if she can enjoy it, I venture that anyone can enjoy it. High praise indeed. (laughs) Indeed, yeah. Uh, The other game I was playing um, was Syndicate. Uh, I got it on Deep Deep Discount a couple of months ago. Uh, I know we reviewed it for the site. I think Dat Boy Treasy gave it a a really good review, and, and I would definitely echo that. It's it's kind of the opposite of Bioshock Infinite in that it's a mindless shooter, but it, it's so fun. Um, 
if you're a fan of shooters, I, I would definitely keep an eye out for it in the bargain rack because it, it has just enough um, uniqueness to it to where it feels different and exciting, but still has rock-solid mechanics. And uh, the co-op is actually... They don't have a, a deathmatch on multiplayer. It's all co-op, which is absolutely fun, and I'm looking forward to getting a couple of friends together so we can take on the co-op on the harder difficulties because it was really great. Nice. And, uh, well, Rich, tell us, what are, what are you playing? Um, I've just finished the campaign in Tomb Raider, uh, the new Tomb Raider reboot, um, which was really, really good. I was one of the people that um, bought a PS3 purely to play Uncharted, um, as I thought that was the one game that I was missing out on. And, obviously, those Uncharted games were heavily influenced by the Tomb Raider series. And when I played Uncharted 2, I thought they pretty much nailed that genre. Um, I absolutely loved Uncharted 2. I thought it was a fantastic game. And this Tomb Raider reboot takes most of the good bits um, from Uncharted 2, so we've gone a bit full circle. Um, But it's also added a fair amount of blood and guts as well, which has caused a little controversy. But because of all the good things it's added, I think it's comfortably the best Tomb Raider game I've ever played. Yeah, I I only dabbled with uh, a Tomb Raider game. I think it was back on my PC when I was still in high school, maybe. And um, I never really got that heavily into it, but what Crystal Dynamics did with this one. It, it, it looks like something that I would really thoroughly enjoy. So it's something I've kind of got on my radar. Yeah. But, um, Graphically, it is gorgeous. Some of the scenery in the environments are, are absolutely stunning. And um, the animations for Lara are, are really realistic. Um, there is quite a lot of violence, especially um, if you step off the beaten track at all and you get killed. There's sort of slow-mo, graphic, violent deaths. <laughs> Uh, which probably pushes it up to the 18 rating that it's received. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that those things had to be in there. Um, they could have taken them out, and it wouldn't really have affected the gameplay too much. Um, but I guess there's a bit of a cachet to, to mature or 18-rated games anyway, so it probably grabbed a few sales off the back of that. Yeah, that's that's one of the questions I was going to ask, is a, lo- a lot of the preview coverage talked in depth about how, how Lara was treated um, as a character, and I really wondered if I wondered if that violence was was necessary to like the plot, if it was impactful, like in, in her process of evolving as a character, or if it was just gratuitous no. exploitation. <laughs> so I, I'm glad I'm glad you definitely cleared <laughs> no, I didn't that up. Say it was uh, necessary at all. They, you do sort of sense her, her peril. I mean, she is almost constantly in a in a state of fear and um, and terror, and and there is some pretty terrible things that happen to her. Um, but I don't know whether they were, were necessary to be the, as violent as they are. Um, I, I didn't find anything particularly um, horrendous about it. But you know, it's um, it's an 18 game, and I'm, I'm over 18. But I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't want kids playing it. Really, is is pretty grim in places. Okay, I'm not 100 percent sure on this because I haven't played the game myself. But even from the first video, where they showed the first, you know, her plane drops out of the sky and she's in the parachute and she's getting just tossed around in the trees and all yeah. that, and people were that's quite common. <laughs> Stuff like that happens throughout the well, game. Well, no, no luck if not for bad luck, right? Sure. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, people made a big deal about she's really getting beat up and all that but a lot of this stuff happens in games and you know like uncharted where you know drake will miss a foothold and he'll go tumbling down the side of the mountain and i've never really heard anyone make a comment about like wow dude gets beat up no uh, i think it's just because we're not used to seeing 
a female main character doing that kind of stuff and it just looks even more like whoa because she's she's not built to be and that's by design she's supposed to look like a kid out there yeah she does look incredibly young i mean i don't know how old she is supposed to be but she looks no older than 16 really Right. Um, so I think it just it, it was meant to heighten the impact of just how dire her situation is. And, and it's a, I imagine that that's a, a credit to the developer that we're talking about it in this way, because it is jarring just how much she's going through. And we've seen this in other games before. It's just in a different context. Yeah. I mean, uh, to give you an example, there's 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 a bit where she's falling down a waterfall and um, you sort of steer her left and right through the rapids. And um, if you if you drift off to the left or you drift off to the right um, too far, you you, you get killed but as you get killed it the camera come pans round and there's a sort of close up of her her face and her neck hurtling towards a an outstretched branch that sort of um has a sharp point on the end that, that goes straight into her neck and all blood comes out and i mean i'm not sure how necessary that really is mm-hmm. and if, of course if you were if you were more skilled than i you wouldn't even ever see that because <laughs> you'd, you'd have avoided that but um it you know the first time you see it, you go oh that's you know that's a bit much but it's a, it's a great game. I absolutely loved it. Um, it's a good story and it's a, it's a good length. It's at least, it took me around 12 hours to finish the campaign. Um, and I still need to go back and clean up the rest of the collectibles, which, unlike Bioshock, are not really of any worth. But <laughs> you, you still need to go and pick them up for the achievements. Um, and there's a lot of gotcha. them as well. Well, I'll be sure to enjoy Tomb Raider when I play it in 2018. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. Perhaps if I send it over by snail mail, it'll uh, it'll arrive around that sort of time. Uh, playing anything else, Rich? Uh, yes, I picked up the new Tiger Woods, uh, Tiger Woods 14, which is um, something I do every year. I'm pretty into Tiger Woods games. I don't know why. I've, it's, it seems to have been going on for about 20 years now, or golf games in general. But I don't know. Once you've you played a shooter and you played an action adventure. It's just nice to sit down and and relax with a nice leisurely stroll around the golf course. Um, <laughs> and I do I do find it really relaxing to play. And if you look at my best games list on uh, TA, you'll see that Tiger Woods games do feature quite heavily. And I'll probably go through and, and get a decent score on this as well. I, it is just nice. It's just nice to play. And they seem to have got the controls. I mean, you'd think on the twentieth iteration they they would have nailed it, and and they have. It's a really nice, simple game to play it's it's not too taxing to finish the whole game with the to get the full thousand i reckon it's probably 35 plus hours so it's it's not something that you're gonna you know and you'd go insane if you were to just play it straight because <laughs> right. um it's not really that sort of game but it's the type of thing you pick up sunday afternoon you know you're bored put it on you've had a heavy night on saturday night just sit down the crowd give you a little applause every now and again <laughs> it's, it's all good nice nice all right, uh, we're going to move on uh, to some of the top stories that have been happening uh, around the gaming world, and specifically this month to TA. Uh, we had a really exciting announcement last week. Um, if you visited the site, and odds are you have because you're listening to this podcast, you noticed we redesigned everything. And by we, I mean Rich. So <laughs> I'm going to let Rich tell us a little bit about the site redesign and uh, let you know all you need to know about it. Go ahead, Rich. Um, yeah, well, I just felt... It- it'd been time to, to look at the, the design of the site. It'd been looking that way since the start of 2010, so just over three years. And since then, we've added so much functionality that the menu system, I think everyone would agree, had become a bit unwieldy. <laughs> um, so the, probably the main um, impetus behind the redesign was, was to tidy up the menus and at the same time reclaim some of that header space, which was, I felt was a bit wasted in the old design. Um, 
and the same could be said for the icons under the game picks and the gamer picks where I wanted to tuck them away into context sensitive menu buttons and make the whole thing uh, just a bit more tidier. It, it just got messy because the amount of features that we've added over those three years. Right. Um, the homepage obviously was was very functional before, but we, I wanted to jazz it up a bit. So we've added tabs to quickly access the different platforms that we cover and a dedicated area for the community news and content. And of course, we've added the news carousel on the homepage to highlight the, the big stories. Um, and I wanted to make the the big areas of text, um, such as news stories, blogs, walkthroughs, a bit more readable. So we're using a new font. Um, we've added a bit more white space, so everything should be a little bit easier to read um, and a bit clearer. Okay. So uh, how how much time did it take to get through all of this? I mean, I know this has been going on in the background a while, but from yeah, kind of inception to now, how, how long have you been at it? I, to be honest, I first started looking at redesigning the menus almost a year ago now. Um, I've been working on a lot of other stuff over the last year, so it was always in the background of something I wanted to do, but um, because there was no sort of deadline for it, there was no date that mm-hmm. it had to be done for it, it always got pushed back, um, whereas a lot of the other things that have been done have, have had deadlines that we wanted to get stuff up for viral month or we wanted to do Music Mayhem or you know various other timescales. The, the, um, the redesign was always pushed to the back. So I thought, it's our fifth year, what better time fifth birthday to, to have a redesign um, so I finally had a deadline which was great which meant <laughs> everything else got pushed back and I went for a whole month the whole of Feb just working on the redesign then we had about a three week uh, beta testing period with about 20 people involved trying to break the site in as many <laughs> browsers and devices as they could find um, and then we launched last week so yeah it's been it's been a long time coming but really we've only been working on it properly for the last couple of months well, and it seems I, the beta testers did a pretty good job breaking most things. But I know once it hits the public, it probably you know more people find things that obviously a small group couldn't. So has the community generally been responsive positively? Have they found things that they're still breaking? Uh, yes, generally they've been. Um, the feedback's been really positive. So we obviously did a news post about the uh, redesign when it launched, and I think about eighty-five percent of the comments. Um, we, we did a bit of an analysis and about 85% of the comments were very positive. And then most of those that initially said they didn't really like it, quite a lot of those have posted that they've really started come to, to come to like it now they've got used to it. So I would say uh, it's been a big success. As for bugs, um, a site like TA has millions, literally millions of pages, um, hundreds of different page templates. So there's an awful lot of pages to test. Um, and the initial bug list thread uh, which was brilliantly um, observed by the community that they, they were posting things as soon as they found them. And probably in the first two days, I, f- I fixed upwards of 80 small bugs that were, or some of them bigger bugs that were in those. So the site should be pretty much functional now. There's only one issue that's, or major issue that's left, and that's on current versions of Chrome on um, Android tablets and phones, which is not a problem with TA, it's a problem with that version of Chrome um, where it doesn't render the menus properly. So anyone on those devices can use Firefox or um, can uninstall the latest version of Chrome and roll it back to version 25 and they'll find everything's working fine. But yeah, generally it's been a really positive. So it, it's, you know, I think it's been a worthwhile 
uh, things to do. Yeah, I, I've been loving the, the redesign. And just to let the community know, if you do find bugs, it's pretty easy to find the thread for the True Achievements redesign bugs. So if you've come across anything that, that hasn't been addressed, please, it may take a minute to kind of scroll through uh, some of the comments that have already been made. Um, but really, just let us know. And, and Rich, you, you've been like, I've been following that thread a little bit. You've been top-notch at getting major problems knocked out w- with some expediency. Yeah, well, I, I thought it was important um, to, to get stuff fixed as soon as possible. You, you don't want people to be left with a negative impression. You don't want to, It's all very well changing something if you're changing it for the better. But if you're breaking stuff that people were used to and people were enjoying, then that's no good. So I've, I've found it, uh, really, it's been the most important thing for me over the last week. That's all I've been working on is fixing those bugs. But I think pretty much 99% of the site is working um, better than it ever was before. So, um, yeah, thanks to everyone that's 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 posted bug reports excellent speaking of things that were sort of broken and are now sort of fixed um we had another big change on ta and that we changed how we calculated the ratios on dlc achievements um yeah i I know dog is is kind of championed and or lambasted this for for various reasons um but i know my ta score saw a pretty healthy bump some of my best achievements changed um, but, uh, Rich, d- d- can you go into d- any depth on exactly how, um, the new ratio formula works? Uh, I know we had a, a panel of community members who, who all had a vested interest in, they all kind of got together and weighed different options and then pr- presented best options to the community for a vote. Um, but sure. Yeah. This, um, this conversation has been going on for well, Too long. many years. <laughs> yeah, many years. Yeah, that thread originated um, in 2009, was it? Or yeah. It's, it's been going originally on the site, um, Originally, the site calculated DLC as if it was part of the main game, which um, led to DLC achievements having absolutely astronomical TA ratios. Um, so it was adjusted pretty soon after that to um, only count people that owned the DLC or sorry, people that had only popped a single achievement or more in that DLC uh, would count as the base um, population for that that calculation for ratio. Um, That had the inverse effect of taking it too far the other way. So a lot of those um, DLC ratios were deflated compared to what they should be, in quotes. I'm doing air quotes here, which you can't see. (laughs) Um, If anyone wants to read up on this, there are... I don't know, probably 200 pages of forum posts um, about this entire topic on the site. Um, I'll put a link up on the podcast um, thread uh, to, to that thread. So if anyone isn't aware of the DLC conversations, um, you can read up on them. I, I'm not sure we need to go through the whole uh, thing again, but basically the re- recalculation that we've just done takes the geometric mean of the entire game population and the DLC population to come up with the ratios and the general consensus is that they're much fairer now. Um, before we leave the ratio change discussion. Oh, please let us leave. Well, ratio. I just, I just want to say, <laughs> I, I just want to go out and just say thank you to the folks who are on the panel because the folks on the panel um, for the most part are site users like everyone listening to this. They did this voluntarily. Yeah. Those guys were amazing. Right. And they gave up their time. To do that, so I want to extend yeah. my thanks to them as well. They were very nicely representative too. Just in case anyone is concerned about that, there were definitely people on the "Don't change anything, let's keep it as yeah, it you is." Yeah, no, totally. So I, they were chosen. Uh, CJ and I chose the panel, and we chose um, a cross section of 
people from each camp, shall we say, for, from right. the guys that wanted to change, the guys that didn't want change, and the guys that originally wanted the old formula back. So, right. yeah, they were they were all amazing. None of them, I don't think any of them were actually on staff. So this was no. um, an entirely user-driven uh, right. panel, and those, those guys were great. So Yeah, yes, so just I'd, a I'd, thank you to I'd them for putting in the time to do that. Speaking of great communities, um, Michelle, you, you got to go to PAX East. Yes. Uh, tell us, what. give, give us your quick uh, rundown of the amazingness that happened in Boston a couple weeks ago. Um, well, my very quick rundown is um, if this was the first time you had ever attended a PAX, it was amazing as it always is. There were tons of different things there. Watch Dogs was there, Assassin's Creed, Four Black Flag, um, Saints Row, Four, Remember Me, tons of great stuff. But if you've gone a few years, and I've been all four years that it's been held, this was uh, the show floor was easily the weakest show floor of the four, unfortunately. And that, that had a lot to do with the new Xbox coming. Uh, it was very evident that people really couldn't bring their A game because they're under NDAs or whatever else they're under. Um, and the biggest uh, victim of this was actually Microsoft's booth. If you've been to PAX, and I don't know how it is at PAX Prime, but at PAX East, generally amongst the big three first-party developers, Microsoft is it. They have the biggest display. They have a huge Kinect setup. They have a whole summer of arcade thing going. This year they had a little arcade set up, and the three games they brought were Gears Judgment, which had already been out for two weeks, Halo 4, which has been out since November, and Dan Central 3, which has been out since October. So it wow. was very clear that the ability of uh, developers to showcase their wares was really hampered by the new Xbox still being hush-hush. Um, now, on the flip side, I go for Microsoft products, so there was... A lot of great stuff there. If you're a PC gamer, like League of Legends had a huge setup. I think Dungeon Defenders too. Yeah, there, there was tons of great, like, th they had a great showing. Um, Sony usually doesn't have a big showing, but they brought The Last of Us, which is, you know, huge new IP for them uh, by Naughty Dog, I think. So, and and that was there in full force. Uh, you know, big display. It was playable. Uh, and that's unusual. Nintendo had a very nice setup, and they usually have a very small booth. So, in some ways, Microsoft's lack of presence kind of allowed others to have a bigger presence but as someone going there to cover microsoft things it was it was kind of a lackluster show um you know typically 2k has a huge booth and we all kind of assumed bioshock infinite would be there and playable since it was coming out that week and irrationals in boston and it wasn't there there was just a panel um rockstar games usually has a huge booth they've brought red dead redemption they've brought la noir they've brought max Payne 3 they brought nothing so um yeah, so the show floor was definitely hurt by Microsoft telling companies, and understandably, sorry, you can't show anything. So, um, so um, can I ask about Watch Dogs? Yeah, of course you can. Um, what, what did you see of that? <laughs> Watch because that piqued my interest when I saw the first um, the first videos in the E3. Well, that's all they brought. They brought um, they brought video footage of it, and it was a developer talking about what we can expect to see. Um, and the game looks amazing. You know, conceptually, it just seems you know you're this hacker, and uh, through your smartphone, you can see who the people you're running into on the street are. So this, this guy is a, you know, a banker and he makes this much money and here's his bank account information. Um, and there's a lot of choice in the game. So you're trying to run away from the cops and you can choose to create an accident. But then once you've done that, yeah. the world reacts dynamically. So do you go back and help the people who are in this accident or do you keep running away? So yeah, that game looked cool. I, I, I'm definitely picking that up yeah. when it comes out. Yeah. I'm really excited for it too. Like I, I'm, I'm a Midwesterner. 
Uh, I'm, I don't live near Chicago, but I go to Chicago frequently, and I really want to see how, how how well they, they pull off the whole Chicago vibe. Because mm-hmm. if you've never been to Chicago, it has a feel that is unlike any other city. It's its, its own cool, weird, Midwest animal uh, of awesomeness. So I really want to see how well they represent it there. <laughs> And it, it looked beautiful. I've been to Chicago, but not enough to really um, have a relation to it in that way. And the game looks gorgeous. Uh, my only concern, which is absolutely nothing that's a judgment based on what I saw, is that it might suffer a little kind of Fable thing. Like when Fable was announced, it was all, oh, every choice of consequence, everything you do. And what we really got was a game that gave us very telegraphed choices where you are either an angel or a demon, and that was it. And it's just the game is promising so much and is looking to be so big. I just hope that they make sure to deliver on that promise because the looks are good. There, there's no question. The game looks amazing. Well, Peter so Molyneux is not Peter Molyneux is not attached to it yet, so no. <laughs> I don't think we have to worry about it being oversold just yet yeah and that would be my only concern because it's just it's such a big concept i mean, again everything you do there's really a reaction to it in the world and um how the the cts i think it's called i don't really remember but the people who are observing you and how they respond to you and how they interact with you so it, it looks like it's going to be amazing so i'm really excited to when gameplay actually starts coming out and people actually get their hands on it maybe at e3 and see how they feel about it also since so i'll just Keep going real quick since we're talking about the news of the month. Um, a couple other things that actually were discussed at PAX and kind of were big things that happened. Um, one of them, uh, I'm sure most of you know about Harmonix sending Rock Band and Dance Central DLC, actually. And I am a huge Rock Band fan. I actually bought my Xbox because of Rock Band and the promise of DLC. And if they had never done that, I probably would have bought a PlayStation, actually. So the whole reason I'm here is Harmonix and uh, their DLC uh, deal with, with Rock Band. So it was a big deal for me when they decided to end it. And there was... A lot of sort of thinking that maybe they were ending DLC because there's a compatibility issue with the new Xbox, and this is sort of a red herring. It's a, you know, throw a little sand in your eye, and, and there'll be DLC, but it'll come back. And they um, they actually ran a great panel at PAX about why they're not doing DLC anymore, and it's mostly that it's just a headache. Um, I'm not a musician, don't know a lot about music, I just listen to it, but they went through how in order to license a track, you have to talk to the band and each of the members, and if the band breaks up, you have to talk to everyone's individual manager, and you have to talk to everyone who composed the song, even the guy who like decided to add the cowbell in, now you got to get his permission and get him on board with it, and then if there's an international distributor for the song, you have to contact them and get their permission, and just it was so many steps, and any one person saying no meant the song didn't happen. And they have, I think they said they had two projects they're working on now. And it was just a manpower thing. They yeah, I mean, to... that's, that's always been the case. There's, no, there's nothing new in the, in the, in the struggle to, to get the licensing right. But I guess people are not, I would imagine the real reason is people are not buying it anymore. In, in the numbers that they were before to make that worthwhile. Exactly. And just, just the time. And, and they felt like, and it's, they have over 4,000 songs in the collection now and rock band network is still active. So you still may see your favorite band come through that pipeline and the infrastructure still exists for DLC. So if they have a real amazing thing come up, you know, Led Zeppelin decides, okay, we've lifted our band now that you've decided never to do this anymore. Here's our catalog. Um, they can go ahead and do it. But it's, it really is something that's done. It doesn't seem to be a, a throw to get you all excited when they re-announce it again. No, they'd need the impetus of a new rock band game. Right. And 
really to That's, behind it, I think. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think it's important to, to kind of reiterate that they're ending regular weekly DLC releases. So that doesn't mean, like, just like Michelle said, if, if Led Zeppelin comes out tomorrow and says, yeah, we'll put our whole catalog on Rock Band, I, I'm pretty sure Harmonix w- would jump at that just because who doesn't love Led Zeppelin? Right. Dog, you don't love Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, and, and that would be a moneymaker, obviously, and that's something to consider, too. They're putting in the time at this point. It's got to be worth the f- investment for them. Yeah. Well, the other thing with that that I want to point out is um, this is reflective of some forum postings and people's reactions to the, you know, J.J. Abrams reboot of Star Trek going on here. Just because Harmonix is ending weekly DLC doesn't mean all of your existing DLC no longer works. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> right. a- as Michelle said, there's over 4,000 songs available. The Rock Band Network is still up and running. The content is not going to dry up for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be plenty of stuff there to play. I mean, I, I, I say more power to them, moving on, doing something new and different. Did they give any clue as to what they were working on, Michelle? Um, no, they didn't actually mention that. The panel was sort of an overheard at their booth thing. And when somebody asked, well, could you tell us what you're working on? They said no. So um, <laughs> I, I think, again, like most developers right now, they're working on stuff that's for the next Xbox or for the PlayStation 4 or whatever else. And they're really tied up in non-disclosure. Um, so E3 is going to be huge this year. We're going to have a lot of work yeah, to do and a lot to cover because um, it's, it's, there's so much that's going to finally be able to be un- unleashed at the show. But right. uh, no, no clues yet as to what they're doing. Well, one other thing came out of PAX, and I'll let you weigh on this, Michelle, and then we'll, we'll move on to some other big news of the month, is that um, Gearbox, they're, they're doing more with Borderlands 2. They're raising their level cap. They're giving a new character. Um, I think you were you were at their panel, were you mm-hmm. not? Yes, I was. And yeah, why don't those you go guys and tell us a little about to, that? They know how to put on a panel. Like everybody, they they started out at the beginning by throwing hats into the audience. Um, as you walked in, they gave you one of six colored cards, and it wound up if you had they did a drawing, and if you had the orange cards, they had found loot chests, and they gave them away to anyone who had an orange card. I mean, those guys knew how to do a panel. Um, and everything they now, said. The question is, did they exciting. talk about aliens, colonial marines? They did. They did actually. Ooh. Um, yeah. It, did, they, did they pass out leaflets that said Sega, please don't sue us? <laughs> you know, they mostly kept the chatter to the PC version because they just released a texture patch for it. And one of the common complaints about aliens is that it just doesn't look very good. Um, so. <laughs> well, that's that's being polite. Well, <laughs> don't want to burn any bridges, but they. Um, yeah, they, they talked about aliens really briefly. I mean, it was an hour-long panel, and I think it got maybe you know, five to seven minutes of, we're working on it, we promise, we really love you guys, and please don't hate this. And, and Gearbox has sort of been that way, right? We got Borderlands, and then we got Duke Nukem Forever, and then we got Borderlands 2, and we got aliens, Colonial Marines. So it's kind <laughs> of been that way for them, and, and they keep pushing, and I believe them, you know, we really care about you guys, but it's clear Borderlands is their baby, and, and that's where most of their development team is at any given time. And these other projects are, I mean, actually, Duke Nukem Forever, people say pretty decent things about it. It's okay. It's not a bad game. And, and Aliens, people say the co-op is fun. The game just looks like it came out on the PlayStation 2. So I have to say that I've not heard one person say anything positive about Duke Nukem Forever. Really? I've heard you know, a few people I know who've went through it say people just expected too much. You know, no, no. it was 10 years I, I got it for five bucks. I don't think I can expect too much. 
That is very. I did the same I, thing. I, I got it for five bucks. I thought it was great for five bucks. That and I will always remember the PC gamer I have from 1996 <laughs> announcing Duke Nukem Forever, 400 page magazine. So you know this is you know back in the day. Yeah. And it gives well, us they wanted first to take their look. time. They wanted to make it a perfect game. Oh, it was. It's playing it though. It, it's definitely a relic of a forgotten time. So I don't think Gearbox could do too much with that game. Right. Most of the work was probably done while I was still in high school. <laughs> so the fact it got released at all was a minor miracle. And I think the same thing happened with Colonial Marines because that project was um, scrapped a few times, mm-hmm. and Gearbox saved it. And most of the problems with it, I think, are actually from outsourced studios right. that don't have anything to do with Gearbox. There's only so much they could do to make a, you know, a decent game. Well, and, and I think it's really important to know that one of the reasons they picked up Duke Nukem Forever was to get the license so they could make the next Duke Nukem game, which I think is the one that gamers really want to keep an yes. eye on. And, and if they, you know, who knows if Sega's going to give them another crack at doing another Aliens game or if that could ever come together again. Um, but I think it's important, yeah, a lot of stuff was outsourced. They were thrown into kind of a weird situation with Duke Nukem Forever, but if you look at their proprietary IPs, like like Borderlands, those games, I mean, I don't want to say they're perfect, but they're pretty excellent. Um, there's things you can nitpick with them, but I don't think anyone would accuse Border- uh, Gearbox of not supporting their games well. Hey, speaking of Borderlands, though... Do you want to know what game I started playing in the last two weeks? Is it Borderlands? <laughs> yes, it is. Because, <laughs> wow. again, it's from 2008, so pff, might as well play it. Yes, you're yes. nothing if not consistent. <laughs> well, we, we've already kind of done a soft transition, but um, it's been a heavy month in, in the business world of gaming. Um, we've been working dog overtime, cranking out his, his business of gaming articles. I mean, John Richard Tiello resigned from EA. Um, and then we had a couple of studio closures and some layoffs. So we're going to premiere the, the Dog Talks business segment. So, Dog, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, EA's outgoing CEO slash president? All right. Well, um, yeah, on March 19th, EA CEO John Ricciatello announced that he was going to be resigning, ending about a decade's worth of service with EA um, some ups, some downs, ended with more downs than ups. Starting off on a good note, this is the man that, that you know, gave us Mirror's Edge. This is a guy that championed Dead Space. This is a guy that was putting developers first and products that gamers wanted to play. That was back in, you know, my favorite year of gaming, 2008. <laughs> <laughs> Since then, however, he's also the guy that brought us Project $10. He's the guy that uh, brought us Knights of the Old Republic for the PC. He's the guy that brought us SimCity with its always-on DRM multiplayer. Uh, He's also the guy that oversaw the NBA Live franchise, which had some great games the last two years. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. Uh, Yeah, so needless to say, his, his term as CEO started off great and it ended pretty badly. Uh, EA stock had bottomed out. It was about $3 a share towards the ends there. As soon as he announces his resignation, bounced up to over $5 a share. Wow. It's, it's been climbing. It's up to about $8, $10 a share. It's been fluctuating a little bit, but it's been uh, nothing but a positive gain for EA since he decided to step down. 
and bring in new management. Um, again, troubled tenure, lots of promise, ended horribly. I feel kind of bad for the guy. But um, we did a um, April Fool's article regarding his golden parachute in which um, Jay joked that, you know, it would be a couple million dollars that he'd be getting. Um, not far off from the truth. Hmm. For the next year, his severance package is $1.2 million. Nice. Wow. For stepping yeah. down from EA, he's being paid $1.2 million. And that, that wasn't the only big closure and layoff. I mean, I think most people my age, I'm in my early 30s, and I think uh, Dog and Michelle, both of you are too, and Rich, yeah. I know you're not too far from there either, but Disney closed LucasArts. I mean, I grew up on LucasArts adventure games, and I think it's it's indicative that a company holds the licenses to Star Wars and Indiana Jones, and they can't make a good game. They can't make a game. It, it just blows my mind. Well, I don't I don't know how much it's attached to this. Um, and again, dog, you probably know better than I do. But Disney's been actively bailing from video games for a while now. So I I really wasn't surprised when all this went down because they've been closing studios and they've you know stated how they want to go to kind of a different thing. I know they're working on Infinity, which is really because they want to try to get some of that uh, Skylanders market. But uh, they've been actively leaving gaming. So LucasArts hasn't developed too much in recent memory. Uh, when people talk about LucasArts and why they're so sad, they're talking about games that were developed in the 80s and 90s. Um, and I think that's very telling about it. Well, the other thing is that people talk, you know, when, when I posted that news story on True Achievements, and uh, people are all upset because, you know, people loved, you know, the uh, Xbox role-playing game, Knights of the Old Republic. LucasArts didn't do that. They liked Rogue right. Squadron on the N64. LucasArts did not do that. They're talking about Battlefront. LucasArts was not doing that. That was a licensed deal. LucasArts right. themselves, um, I posted later on um, with the news posting in the forum thread, they've only published 10 games in the last 10 years. Right. Only half of which you would even recognize. They basically did Force Unleashed and Force Unleashed 2. That's it. Everything else that's come out that's been Star Wars related in the past like 10 years has been a licensing deal. It has not right. been anything in-house. And uh, some of the other studios at Disney closed, they closed Black Rock Studios, who did Split Second. Well, that was always a weird marriage anyways, and Disney became owners of Black Rock Studios through a bunch of weird business deals. They happened to buy out the parent company. They didn't really want BlackRock Studios. They, they didn't want to be in that business. Right. And um, even more recently, they sent out um, Epic Mickey and Epic Mickey 2. Those were licensed deals. Those games didn't sell well. Disney has not had a lot of luck in the video game market. It's just so sad because they own so many, so many properties that I would love to see good games made with and i I feel like if they put in a little money and time into some really good talent they they're sitting on just the gold mine of intellectual properties it's just really sad in happier news moving away from you know closing and shuttering studios and such um we had quite a few new game announcements happen in the past you know six six eight weeks um i know we already mentioned ducktales coming back this summer 
I think anyone who remembers that the game on the original 8-bit Nintendo Entertainment System has to be excited about that. Um, Saints Row the Fourth got announced. That's obviously <laughs> incredibly exciting. Uh, Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag is less is, exciting. Is there? You know, I actually yeah, have to. Be honest, just, that one's a little less exciting at this point. I, just going back to actually real quick at PAX when I was online waiting to see the Assassin's Creed Four video. And of course, everyone's excited to see it, but you could hear throughout the line people saying like, "Yeah, I'm going to this video more out of habit than actually being excited for it." I'm kind of done with playing Assassin's Creed every year. Um, so I don't know how much longer this is going to work out for them because there was definitely the, the difference in kind of the energy waiting to see the video between last year when they brought three and this year for four. There, there was definitely a sense of, eh, you know, I'm watching this because I'm here, but I don't think I'm actually going to get it. And I think Ubisoft has even come out and said, you know, we'll stop making these games when people stop buying them. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see. I won't pick up four. I, I didn't I pick up three. Three was a big letdown. Yeah, I I, I thought to play Revelations, Revelations was a big letdown. Like I yeah, Revelations was. I saw quality getting you know worse and worse through um, Brotherhood into Revelations, whoa, whoa, and I was kind of hey, like, I like hold off on three. Hey, whoa, whoa, hey, hey, guys, guys, guys! Revelations has not been out five years yet. I have yet to play. <laughs> Let's keep the spoiler talk to a minimum, okay? I'll get around to Spoilers, it. Spoilers, You know, three. I, Revelations I, isn't very good. I put on. No, <laughs> I like Revelations. But I liked Ezio. I thought Ezio was a great main character, so I was able to go in and kind of keep playing his story. Um, you know, I, I turned on three, got off the boat, pet the dog, and that was my Assassin's Creed three experience. The boat At some stuff point, on three I'll go is back, brilliant, but... but the rest of the game is, is, is lame. Yeah, and they were very big at the Assassin's Creed 4 video of talking about how, you know, we're, we're really bringing back the stealth. We know people complained about the lack of that. Well, the other people, the other thing a lot of people complained about was lack of tall buildings to climb. There really wasn't a lot of that in colonial times. Well, there's not going to be a lot of that in the Caribbean either. Yeah. So I, I don't really know how well it's going to play out. Well, uh, we have a couple other sequels announced. Um, Battlefield 4, obviously, mm-hmm. that's coming. Um you can imagine there's going to be a Call of Duty coming right around that same time as well. Um, no, really? Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> uh, but then the two that kind of jumped out and got me were we had Poker Night 2 announced, which a lot of people were wondering if this was going to be an April Fool's joke or not, but it looks really interesting. I know um, uh, Mansight, our, our social media guy, he, he's really excited about that one. And uh, the trailer, which we have on the site, very funny. Um, so check that out if you're at all interested in in poker, um, because it looks. Can I say the only fun. reason I'm excited for Poker Night Two? The only reason why Claptrap and Ash from Evil Dead are going to be at the same table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Glados is the dealer, I guess. Which really, that you can't get better than that. That's going to be awesome. And they've got Brock Sampson from Venture Brothers. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it, 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 it's so insane. I just have to see this. Right. And then uh, the other story, uh, the other game that's coming out that I, I never played the original, but Game Informer made it their uh, cover, I think, last month, um, is Thief is getting relaunched on next-gen systems. I think I think it's exclusively next-gen. I'd have to double-check on that. Um, but I, I really love Dishonored. Um, I, I enjoy Deus Ex. Uh, so Thief, I, I'm pretty excited to see what comes out of that now. We're kind of in an interesting period when it comes to game announcements because until uh, Microsoft announces their console, we're probably not going to get too many more big announcements. Um, so hopefully Microsoft does come out and kind of 
pull back the curtain in the next month or so so we can actually start talking about new games and new IPs oh, and new crap. franchises. crap, we're supposed to be talking about new games on this podcast? Well, every once in a while, you know, we what we can do, Dog, is we can we can go ahead and get in the, the DeLorean with Doc Brown and Einstein. We'll we'll go back five years and we'll do this podcast and let you talk okay, about Okay, just checking. Just want to make sure I still have a point here. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, because we're actually getting to your point. Uh, we're moving on to a new segment here. Um, we're hoping this is something the community can really help us out with. Uh, obviously, the four of us, we're all gamers. Um, you can check out our gamer cards anytime on the site, see what we're playing, what we're up to. And we have a feature we're calling the Achievement Challenge. So uh, in future podcasts, we're going to be asking you to send in challenges to us, and we'll explain how to do that shortly. And we'll be picking one and challenging one of our panelists with getting an achievement in a game they're currently playing. So this week, or month rather, I uh, I challenged Dog to get the fully researched Houdini Splicer achievement in the original Bioshock. Uh, it's only worth 14 TA points. I think its base score was 10. But I remember trying to get it when I was playing through my first time. And uh, those guys were, were kind of slippery. But Dog, why don't you tell us about the experience? D- did you get the achievement? And how uh, easy and or arduous was it? Oh, I got the achievement. It was easy. I actually earned it the first night that you sent me this challenge. Um, The problem was, it required me actually taking photos of these Houdini splicers, and I really hate that photo research system in Bioshock. (laughs) I mean, instead of walking around with a wrench out or a gun out, I'm walking around with a camera out so I can take photos of these guys to get these achievements. It totally breaks the immersion of the game. I should be walking around with my crossbow, or my favorite weapon, the chemical thrower, and instead I've got a camera. Hated it. Horrible. And these guys were so annoying because it kept teleporting everywhere. Until, of course, you take enough photos of them, and then you're able to see where they're going to teleport to, which makes it a lot easier. However, not fun. Easy achievement, kind of breaks the immersion of the game. Probably, if they could redo Bioshock, they would take out that entire system. Now, I'm going to totally it. disagree with you. Uh, because well, you're wrong. No, no, I'm actually right on this one. Because I I thought the, the research function was something that sort of enhanced the mystic qualities, the, the otherworldliness of the game. Because these were... Imagine yourself just being shocked, forgive the pun, um, there's these weird splices, they're doing weird stuff, I don't know what's going on, so I feel like by taking pictures and documenting it, you are learning their weaknesses, which is essentially what you were doing but with this research. Ah. So by doing it, it yes. may have taken some time, and it might have taken you out of the element, so to speak, but to me, it was much more of an investment. I really, that was one of those things where my uh, anal retentiveness really got the better of me. So I was taking pictures of every like enemy until I fully researched it um, just because it, it helped move the game forward as far as combat goes. So um, I challenged you with that one, dog, because I knew you would, you would sort of hate it. Um, I knew it wouldn't be too hard to get, but the Houdini slicers were my least favorite enemies in that entire game. So I wanted you to have to document them. And I will totally counter your point there. You say it, it gives you research to learn weaknesses and make it easier to fight them and everything. Good game design can do that 
without putting an arbitrary limitation to it, you can have the player learn and adapt to an enemy's patterns, how they fight, what their weaknesses are through trial and error gameplay, which is how we did it back when I first started playing games and developers, you know, didn't hold our hands back then. So it could be a little more organic with the game and not so much an extra system. Love or hate the photo system? Um, the first achievement that ever made me laugh out loud was because of With, the photos. Yeah. The irony achievement in Bioshock. Okay, um, that one was really good. I, I got that completely naturally. Didn't look at a guide because that was maybe the second or third game I played on Xbox. Didn't know to do that. And I just busted out laughing when I saw that one. When it actually gave me an achievement for taking that picture. So I can forgive everything else about the system because that yeah, existed. I, I, I know Dog and I, we usually come from two different points of view so it's not unusual for he and I to completely disagree. We're, we're, we're the the Siskel and Ebert of this podcast as far as complete opposite ideas. <laughs> oh, we fight all the time. It's great. Which is why we work so well together. Oddly enough. So um, this was just our, our first uh, achievement challenge. Um, Doc, did you happen to use uh, any of the uh, achievement solutions on the site to help you get this one? Or was it intuitive enough that you didn't need the extra assistance? This one was intuitive enough. I did not need the extra um, assistance, but I totally used the Bioshock walkthrough on True Achievements for the collectibles. Um, specifically, I looked at the collectibles list, saw that I had missed two of them during the prologue Welcome to Rapture section, which you cannot mm -hmm. go back to. And so once I learned that, I, uh, I had a huge sense of relief. Because I wasn't getting that achievement anyways. So you just enjoy the game now, okay. So I didn't have to worry about going out of my way to collect stuff. I could just play the game. Excellent. So thanks, Bioshock Walkthrough, for saving me lots and lots of time. Excellent. Well, uh, in the future, if you want to send us an achievement challenge, uh, please take a look at our gamer cards, see what we are playing, and then find an achievement in one of the games we're playing that we have not gotten yet. Feel free to challenge us with it. You can send those challenges... Uh, to me on the website, so just OSU Blue Jacket. You can send me a message. Just put uh, achievement challenge in, in the subject line. Let us know which of our panelists you want to challenge, uh, and I will be collecting and collaborating those. Now, obviously, it goes without saying we're not going to be too sadistic with this. Um, so, if you're challenging someone to get seriously 3.0 in a week, it's not going to happen. Uh, so, we're going to keep these uh, in moderation. We do want challenges. We don't want good challenges. But we're not going to do the ridiculous and slightly impossible uh, because we do, unfortunately, have lives outside of the <laughs> Xbox. Yeah, we're going to be looking at sort of two to four ratio achievements, I think. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's probably pretty good. So everything um, from DLC then? Yes. Oh! <laughs> oh. Buy the DLC! <laughs> Uh, excellent. So uh, we're going to kind of wrap this up. We're looking ahead. It's We're recording right now on uh, Sunday, April 7th. So we're just going to look ahead real quick to kind of what's coming up in April. Uh, if there's any games coming out that, that you've kind of got your eye on or things you're looking forward to hearing about. Uh, I know personally, um, I'm kind of excited to see what Netherrealm actually gives us with the Injustice Gods Among Us. Uh, I've had kind of a pained history with fighting games. Um, but I've always had a deep affinity for uh, the DC superhero world. Um, anyone, uh, Michelle, are you looking forward to anything coming out in uh, April? 
Um, yes, uh, I will also preface this by saying I will not buy it in April, but um, definitely am intrigued by the upcoming Star Trek game. That's uh, I'm definitely going to buy that in April. I'm going to get that. Yeah, um, I love. I mean, I like Star Trek. I've always been more of a next generation watcher myself. But I did see the new movie. I'm really excited for or the one that came out a couple years ago. I'm really excited for the one coming out in May. Um, But the game is also heavily co-op, which is always a huge factor for me. Yeah, it looks great. I saw um, quite a lot of it at Gamescom last year. Um, I had a preview with with the developers, and it was it was really good. It looks fantastic, especially the co-op, as you say. It looks it looks really smart. It looks like um, it's going to be Mass Effect with with bro up basically well so i'm all over it that's and I speaking my language then so everybody. i might have to keep an eye on it then i i, yeah, I kind of initially... me, and, me and you can play it jay well, we'll play as we'll play in cop you can be spock oh, <laughs> i can be ooh, spock. It's a date uh, no i initially wrote it off as this is just the latest movie tie-in game but i i'll definitely uh, no 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 it looks fantastic it. um jj abrams has been heavily involved in the script and um it, i think it's gonna be really good awesome dog you looking forward to anything um, what am I looking forward to playing this month? Um, Dead Space. Yep. Yep. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> because once again, I am nothing not consistent. Um, what else am I looking forward to? Uh, Mark of the Ninja. I just picked up on sale. Ah, I need uh, to get that. Dust. I heard good things about that. Uh, Dust. I just picked up on sale. Looking forward to getting into that one. Retro City Rampage. I just picked, I picked up on that sale. Too. Yeah. Looking forward to getting into that one. And uh, I'm probably going to wind up picking up Terraria this month because that game looks fun. And people on my TA friend feed have been going nuts over that game. So I'm just going to give into the hype. I'm going to get it, see what it's all about. Yeah, I've, I've got some, as far as things I'll definitely be playing this month, uh, I've got backlog games to work through. I've still got Far Cry 3 to start. I've got The Witcher 2 to start. Um, I'll still be finishing up some syndicate co-op stuff, so that's that's probably going to eat up a lot of my time. I'm kind of in a buying freeze right now because most of the stuff in my backlog is significant time commitment stuff, and I really want to try and hold off as much as I can, but I'll, I know I'm going to break down and buy some stuff in between now and console launch. I'm, I, I'm, in, the same, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, like I've still got L.A. Noir in my backlog to get through. John, I will tell you this, dog, as much as I know you, I loved L.A. Noir. You were going to hate that game. Yeah. I, I didn't really like it. I, I really enjoyed it, but it's... It, I loved the first five hours, maybe, and then it, it just got boring. I mean, it, it's, 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 got good, it's got decent gameplay, but it's, it's just a, a really good story and really good tech. But yeah, the story's great. Knowing yeah. you how I know you, dog, you're probably not going to like that game too much. I, I like good stories in my games. I mean, I thought One Shanbara Bikini Samurai Squad had a classic story. <laughs> oh, gosh. oh, this is what you have to look forward to in subsequent months of the TA podcast. Um, Rich, what are you looking forward to in April? Um, I've got to say, there's not a great deal coming out retail, but definitely Star Trek. Um, and I'm going to. I've got Windows Phone now, so I'm going to try and pick up some more games on that. I'm enjoying Amazing Alex at the moment, um, and I might pick up uh, Misplosion Man on that platform too. Um, Windows Phone games for the win. Uh, great. I can sit on the awesome. toilet and pop achievements. That's the dream. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that, I think that's everyone's dream. 
Um, so, uh, just to kind of wrap things up here. Aim high, uh, Rich. Aim high. As always. <laughs> oh, there's, there's a joke there about toilet humor, but I'm not going to make it. Oh, gosh. Um, so, we're, before things get more off track, uh, let you know the ways to get a hold of us. Um, again, send us achievement challenges. You can send those to me, OSU Blue Jacket, via uh, PM on the site. Or you can email them to me uh, at Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at TrueAchievements.com. Uh, if you have questions you want to ask the crew, we'd love to do something like a mailbag section. So please, don't hesitate to send us questions um, towards the podcast. Or you can put questions in the podcast thread. We'll be uh, taking a look at that as well. Or if there's anything else you'd like to hear us discuss, um, anything noteworthy in the achievement world, or if there's a feature you want to hear our opinions on, um, please don't hesitate to let us know in the thread or send us a message and or an email. So on that note, uh, I'm going to give everyone... This is, this is totally off the beaten path here. I'm going to give everyone a chance to leave one final thought for this podcast before we get out of here. And I'm going to start to give you, uh, give you all a minute to kind of collect a thought. But uh, my final thought here is, uh, if you have not done so already, please go, go play Bioshock Infinite. Um, experience the ending before everyone on the internet spoils it for you. Because it's really... Uh, thought-provoking and worth a further examination and discussion. So please do yourself a favor, go do that. It, it's an amazing experience. Um, what Kojima game does that one rip off? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, if I told you, and I do believe there are similarities to other endings, it would be spoiling it. So I'm not going to do that. Oh, um, Michelle, final thought. Um, great. Um, Okay, as a final thought, uh, I know we recently posted on the site our reviews and ethics statement, so I just want to actually thank those of you who've come into that thread and posted your comments there and who are generally behind it. We just we really wanted to make sure you knew where we were coming from uh, and how we're going about delivering news and what our reviews mean. Um, so we hope that that makes it clearer for you, and we hope that you enjoy now that there's um, half-star ratings that you can take advantage of and we can take advantage of. Um, and if you have any further comments, Kind of questions or comments about that please make sure to to reach out to us and let us know excellent dog final thought this should be enlightening <sighs> don't know what you're talking about um no on on a serious note for my first time this entire podcast um pretty soon we're gonna be starting up our uh, extra life 2013 events on true achievements and uh this year the um marathon is going to be getting a lot more hype a lot more publicity we're going to be getting our own streaming channel for it on Twitch TV. So I'll have more information coming out about that within the month. So just um, keep your eyes peeled to our news page. Um, find out how you can sign up and take part in the uh, Extra Life Gaming Marathon this year. And help uh, raise money to benefit the uh, Children's Miracle Network. Excellent. That's that's perfect. Um, I know we're going to give you some time in future podcasts to talk about that because you're going to be our head honcho when it comes to such matters. So we'll make sure we bring that back up in future podcasts and keep it uh, forward on the front page. Uh, Rich, why don't you leave us with an awesome closing thought? Okay, my awesome closing thought is um, keep an eye on the site over the next couple of months because, as many of you know, I've just got a, a four-week-old daughter, uh, which has meant that my sleeping hours have changed considerably. And it's meant I've got time for coding when I never thought I would have time for coding before. So I'm going to be writing some cool stuff over the uh, midnight hours. And a lot of that stuff's going to be hitting the site over the next couple of months. So keep your eyes peeled to TA. Uh, there's going to be a lot of new stuff. 
Fantastic. Well, on... Oh, and buy a Windows phone and pop achievements on the toilet. <laughs> and with that lovely mental picture to carry you on into our next podcast, uh, on behalf of Michelle, also known as Matriarch, Dog of Thunder, and Rich, the big man of True Achievements, uh, this is Jonathan, OSU Blue Jacket, signing off. We look forward to having you all hear us and us hearing from you in the near future. <laughs>